This, this is somebody's first time experiencing the power of the name of Jesus. And uh, we can grow up, I think. Um, can I say this? I can say anything. I have the mic, I guess. <laughs> can I say this sometimes? Sometimes uh, we grow up maybe in man-made religion. And uh, the thing that, that man-made religion, when we kind of have the optics of what it's like to live in the family of God without the power, sometimes man-made religion is just this place where we kind of like get, still kind of get to decide. But there's power in the mighty name of Jesus. But here's the deal. He decides what that looks like. He, you know, God is the God of, of this family, the father of this family. And, and uh, somebody's life is just, you're just lacking supernatural power. And um, I'm starting a whole new sermon series today called Holy Habits. And all the nerds are freaking out. They're like, yes, habits. We get to talk about boring things. That... So I'm so embarrassed for you. And the supernatural power of God, here's the deal. You can't control it. Here's the other deal. You can't stop it. But sometimes your life is not tapped into it. And I'm going to show you today that the supernatural power of God is tapped into from something as small as having holy habits. It doesn't seem like much, but... You've got to get your eyes off of the giants and get them onto the little habits. I don't know why I need to say this to this service, but I don't think David would have put a stone in a sling if he'd never put a stone in a sling before. And you don't think that your life looks like much because you have all these giant issues that you're facing and God's like, stop worrying about the giant issues and the giants. That's not where the battle is won. The battle is won in the little faithfulnesses in the field where you're learning how to use the sling and the stone. You're like, it was a miracle that hit. No, shepherd boys in Israel could, from like 20, 30 yards, graze the nose of a sheep to get them back in. They would sit under a tree and just sling their stones. Holy habits. They can be sexy too. All right, come on. I just have to say something because habits, the word habits is so boring to me. Um, we're going to teach the youth right now how to, how to have holy habits. Do you guys like my new glasses, by the way? I'm very proud of these. I'm addicted to cheap Zenny glasses, you know, and I saw Anthony wearing these. Uh, he had the same glasses. And so I'm like, those are terrible. Oh my goodness. I need a pair. And um, he's like, Candace doesn't like him. I'm like, oh, nobody cares about Candace. And then the, Anthony and Candace are our youth leaders, and they have such a great team around them. And I just want to give you some, some love, because they're going to start teaching your teenagers um, about having holy habits and how that unlocks the miracle power of God. You know, there's four, I have four teenage girls in, in youth, and I just thank God that they're going to have conversations with them that I've also had with them. They're going to come home and be like, Dad, you've never told us about these things that... I'll be like, whatever, just do them, you know? And uh, we're, we're going to be talking about holy habits uh, in the youth group, like s sexual purity. Come on. Listen, this is what, let me just open this with this idea here. Um, oh, also, before I forget, the grand opening is happening, uh, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, February 16th at 7 o'clock at night. Pastor Nate is here from Substance Church. He's doing that. He's also going to uh, preach a sermon for me on that Sunday. And so, um, but, but there's... Um, some pastor friends that I have coming from all over the place, bring a friend. That's going to be incredible. It's going to be wild and crazy. We have something that's very special planned. Um, 
You got to come to that. And if you're not on the dream team yet, that's just our team of volunteers. Cause we, we don't, the dream teamers, we don't come to church for us anymore. We come to church for you. And when we do that, God blesses us too. And so it's a vicious cycle of generosity and awesomeness. And so, uh, it's not too late to join the dream team. Cause we have a dream team party coming up on, uh, uh, February 21st, and that's Family Day Monday, and this is where Pastor Aaron and I, we spoil you. You don't even, you don't even know how crazy it's going to get here. I don't even want to tell you what Scott has planned for the budget. He's like, what, what are we talking about for budget? And I'm like, spoil them, but do it for nothing. And he's like, we're going to have to spend some money because we love these people, Pastor. And I'm like, yes, we do. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, you just come. It's going to be awesome. Um, Holy habits, talent, you ready? I'm gonna go against what society taught you. I'm gonna go against what your kids are learning in school. Talent or even strength of mind and will can bring a measure of success, but these can also be subverted into tearing it down without something that is far more important than these things that the world focuses on. They can bring a measure of success, being talented helps. But uh, you know what? Pastor Aaron and I are not still married. I don't know what your story is. And there's, we're not still married because of talent. No, we're married still <laughs> in spite of some stupid stuff. Uh, because of holy habits. That's what it boils down to. Love can be boiled down to holy habits. Are, are you guys ready for this sermon today? It's, I'm just going to take it and take it out of the realm of, because the enemy always wants you to focus on something that's way big and unattainable and really broken, you know, like the government. Yeah, the government, I'm not, it's broken, all right. But listen, that's not how you shift it. That's not how you change the state of any, that's not how you change your own life. We have to focus on something as small. Now, the enemy has a way of making your, your greatest strengths your greatest weaknesses. Thank you, Sean. So, you know, my, one of my greatest strengths is I'm just endlessly curious about everything, you know, and so... Uh, even for church culture, you come and like we do something different than we did before. Well, I'm just kind of curious. I just always am tinkering. And, but the enemy would get into my curiosity and turn it into something bad because I can be curious about sin too. You know, so I'm talented in curiosity and this drive to, but also I can be very talented and tear all the success out because I, I don't have the habits that keep success. You know, you might be a, a, like a heart person. Do we got any heart people in the house? And uh, I love heart people, but you know, I have to train them sometimes so that their greatest strength of empathy and sympathy. And um, there comes a time when you got to like take the, the crippled man and grab him by the hand and say, rise and walk. Yeah. You can't be all like so into their, their crippledness that you're like, oh, that's cruel, Jesus. And he's like, well, we got to. Or sending the blind man down to the pool to wash off while he's still blind. <sighs> no, because it, it could be used against you in this empathy. And then you start empathizing with sin and somebody's sin and choices when we got to be like, hey, we need a little surgery here. And if they'd stop, the pain would stop, you know, the, the greatest, even um, the apostle Paul, his greatest strength in this drive, Jesus knocks him down on the road to Damascus. You remember from Sunday school? And he's like, what are you persecuting me for? Right? His greatest strength was being used against him by the enemy because he lacked uh, some holy habits that he later developed in his life. Now, it's going to hurt, right? It's just going to hurt. You ready? Everything you need to know about a person is in their habits. I'm going to save you from hiring that person this week. 
because everything you need to know about them is in their habits. And everything anybody needs to know about you is by watching your habits because your habits are who you become. The enemy wants to tell you that you can compartmentalize your life. So you'll have talent in an area and be really good with people, but re be really bad with money. And then he's like, but that doesn't matter because you just put it in a room and shut the door. And, but God would say, no, that actually bleeds into how well you are with people. Because you can't just take a life and put it in compartments. You know, you're not just like a, an organizational drawer from Ikea. You're like a whole person. I feel like the first service kind of was getting this and you're like, we're not built from Ikea. Um, you know what? I, I had a site a superintendent. I used to work in the trades world and he said, when I interview somebody, he's like, that's not really the real interview. He said, I interview them, but then I follow them back out to their car and pop my head inside. And he goes, that's a real interview. Somebody like, you're just glad you have a job now. You're going to go home and clean your car out. Right? I mean, somebody's got to take the tuna sandwich out. Of I had a friend of mine one time, a friend of mine, I got into her, her car. She was driving Aaron and I somewhere. I'm like, this car, there is some, there's a body in this car. Like, it is so bad. I don't even know how something can smell that bad in a car. And she's like, really? I don't notice it anymore. Oh, that'll preach holy habits. Because some of us go, we got unholy habits. You know what? Her husband, months later with their son cleaned the back of the car out and he was like a game hunter. And guess what was in the back buried under a whole bunch of stuff, bags that used to be steaks that are now just bags of weird, gross liquids for reals. And some of y'all are driving around in zombie cars that you're like, it still works. Sorta, sorta, but you're missing the fragrance that holy habits bring. Your life needs to smell right. I knew a trades guy one time. He put some, he went and bought some nasty, you know, cheese from England or something like that. And they have whole like cheese things over there. It's a thing. And he bought some nasty stuff and, and tucked it in, in under a guy's seat because he was playing a prank on him that the guy didn't notice for months and months, you know. I'm like, that's what the enemy wants to do in your life. He wants to seed you with these little bad habits that eventually cause you to crash. You want to marry somebody? Sure. Watch how he talks to his mom. If he doesn't have the fear of God and the fear of Beth Cope, <laughs> you know, you got somebody who treats their mom like they're common and, and, uh, you know, just runs them over all the time. I mean, you want to, you want to marry him. You know, I always tell girls like, if he doesn't have a pastor, don't because you're going to want to be the Lord of his little castle and he doesn't have anybody he answers to or small group leaders and team leads and brothers who are like, dude, you're being an idiot right now. You know I mean? You need that protection, but you know, you want, you want to marry her. Watch how she talks about men. Cause it's nice. Like, yeah, every other man's a jerk except for this guy that I'm dating right now. Well, you'll be the jerk someday. <laughs> like it'll be you. I know this is a huge shock to young people. Well, no, I won't. But you know, we have a song and I'm super talented. I'm like, it doesn't matter in the end. Your song, it's like, it's great, but it's not going to matter for very long. Your love and your life and all the success that God can bring is built on habits. And you can tell how much I love you with my habits and uh, my habits around you. Now, um, 
you're going to hear this phrase through this series. How you do anything is write this down. Put it on your fridge. Put it in your fridge. Put it all around, all over your fridge if you're like me. How you do anything is how you do everything. You have to start getting this into your soul. How you do anything is how you do everything. One of, one of the guys I worked with saw the foreman of the shop pull up to the, to the uh, company gas pump and um, on his motorbike on the weekend. He ain't going to work. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're taking what somebody can see, you've been taking what they can't for a long time. How you do anything is how you do everything. I mean, it's, it's why on, on job sites, I would, I would freak out if somebody would leave the site five minutes too early because how you do anything is how you do everything and it bleeds into everything else. You know, how you do anything is how you do everything. Now, you, you've just got to get this idea out of your head in the end that talent... I'm going to preach about talent from the life of uh, Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Did you ever learn any songs in Sunday school about that? Anyways, if you don't, this whole story is going to be like, what? Everything in the Bible is like, what? And then next week, I'm going to be preaching about uh, Daniel getting thrown to a den of lions. And you're going to be like, what? And then two weeks from now, I'm going to preach about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting thrown into a furnace to be burned alive. And the guys who threw them in got burned alive, but they didn't. And I'm going to show you how in a series about holy habits. I'm going to show you how the supernatural protection and power of God is unlocked in something really, really small. How you do anything is how you do everything. Successful people consistently do what unsuccessful people occasionally do. You, because when you only occasionally do something, you can't do this thing that's very important for you and everybody around you. You don't stack wins on top of other wins. So you're trying to get the big win out there. I had a 16 year old sitting in my office one time that was like an absolute idiot to his mom. Idiot. And I'm like, what are you, how do you even think that you wouldn't, I wouldn't even be on this earth because my mom is Irish. Like it wouldn't even be a thing. And he's, I'm like, what's going to happen? What are you going to be like when you get married? He's like, well, I'll change. I'm like, no, you won't. And, and it's, Successful people consistently do because you can't stack a win. So um, if you have debt, you know, Dave Ramsey, somebody needs to go through financial freedom group uh, next September when we start it. But I mean, just to get out of debt, he shows you a different way to do it. So he says, don't, cons don't put all consolidate all your debt like the world tells you to do so they can sell you more stuff. And it becomes this pile that you can't climb over, you know. He says, what he says is, pay off the smallest debt first. Who cares about the interest rate? Smallest debt first and then the next one. And then the next smallest one. And you start stacking wins. It's good for your soul. You, you, just one little thing at a time. It's good for your soul. And then you get to the big stuff. Now, have you ever put somebody in charge of something that occasionally did well, but you found out that maybe consistently they weren't all that good? You know, like you left your teenager in charge because, you know, 20% of the time they're not little animals. <laughs> and you come back and you're shocked to find out that they tied up all the other kids and just watched TV the whole time. You know what I mean? And you were shocked, right? Well, it's because you're not watching the, the little habits. You're just hoping for the best. Again, it's like, it's like dating. It's like a dating relationship. But, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, and you just make all these excuses about why all their habits don't line up to the way that they need to. Because, again, you have a song and you light, you know, scented candles or whatever it is that you do. I, uh... I left a guy named Andy in charge of a job site one time 
Now, Andy was an English guy that had just this amazing accent. And he would tell stories at lunchtime. And he was like, according to him anyways. And I believed him because his accent, man. I just, I don't just trust English people. You know, you know how they would do Old Testament or uh, sorry, New Testament about Jesus and stuff. And Jesus was always an English guy, which is hilarious because Jesus was Jewish. And so I remember watching as a kid, just maybe it's this ingrained English accent in me. I'm just like, everything they say is to be believed, you know? And he was this sniper in the SAS or something over there. I'm like, yeah, all these great stories. I'm like, this guy's awesome. And he liked Radiohead. So, you know, he was great. Radiohead. All you. Amen. No, you don't even know? Oh, this church needs an education in space rock music. And he lent me his, you know, serious car radio. And I, there was just something about this guy. I just kind of liked him. And, uh, and I left him in charge. The boss came with coffee and donuts one day. And that wasn't good because he'd never been there before. And uh, then he shows up one day and he's like, yeah, there's a job I need you to fix out of town. <laughs> that he did, ironically. So I was gone for a few weeks out of town. And I left Andy in charge. Well, there was only one floor left to finish. Like there wasn't much to do, right? And I left him there. I get a call like four or five weeks later from some of the other crew. And they're like they asked me questions. I'm like, where are you? They're like, well, we're in this town. We're doing this job. I'm like, why? You're still there? I'm like, why, why are you still there? That job was supposed to be done weeks ago. And they said, well, Andy takes a lot of smoke breaks. <laughs> like you left Andy here. And like, what? And then they said to me, what is it about Andy that you don't see? Did he cast? And they said this, did he cast a spell on you? And I got thinking about it. I'm like, he kind of did. He gave me his car radio and he's got this British accent and he likes Radiohead and he... And then I got thinking, you know what the problem was? I wasn't watching the right things. Because occasionally he was really talented and could really work hard. But most of the time he didn't. Unless I was there. I have a way of like just motivating people to work hard. It's mostly like, hey, work hard. Like, work harder. Can you work faster? Yeah, let's do that. The, but when I'm gone, all of a sudden he's this, uh, you know... You know what he was when I was gone was who he always was. I just wasn't watching the right habits. And, and then I started thinking, yeah, I guess he does take kind of a, like a lot of sick, sick days. I don't know if I'm allowed to preach this right now during COVID, but okay. So like in the real world, back when we had sniffles in the trades world, like suck it up princess and go back to work, right? The places your kids still got to eat. Look, if you don't like this, you're not going to like the rest of it. He'd sit there and sniffle like this 30 something year old guy who was like a sniper in the SAS, according to his stories. And he'd sniffle and then he'd do <sighs> and look around and see if anybody feels sorry for him. You know, do we got any man babies here when you get sick? Chad was talking, just telling the story on him. Chad was talking to his mom and he's like, yeah, I was sick, but I toughed it out. And his teenage daughter is laughing and crying and falling off the couch when he said that, because she's like, you are the... You just walk around groaning all the time. That's what I do when I'm sick. Like, I'll get through it, but I'm going to groan and you're going to know exactly how I'm feeling. <laughs> Misery loves a little company. You know, I realized like he's always taking sick days for nothing and he would just kind of like talk himself into it. And, and uh, I realized everything I needed to know about him was in his habits. And I just wasn't paying attention to the right things. And um, this is kind of uh, empowering really because you can change. You know why how we lose power in our lives is when you forget that you can change. People always get upset in church culture. I go at church people all the time because I think we're hilarious. We get upset about the dumbest things in church culture because we forget why we're here. Like, 
It's not here so that you, I don't know, people dress the way you want them to. Or I, don't, I don't even know what church people fight about. It's dumb. When church people fight, it's always like, and God told me to. And God told you to quit your job and sit at home because you need time to discover yourself. <laughs> Come on, the millennials aren't laughing now. I love the millennials. No, the, <laughs> the millennials built this church. I keep saying that. They killed it here. I'm just saying, you got to watch the habits. You want to know some uh, unholy habits? Here's one that I'm really good at. You can just talk to Pastor Aaron. I'm so good at this one. I've always been good at this one. I go, I go zero to 60 in an argument in like one millisecond. I know where it's going. I just get there. Come on, Vicky. I just get there. I'm like, I'm already there. I'm, I know where this is going. It's just an unholy habit. You know, and when our marriage went south, I had to like learn how to unwind that and start back at the beginning and like actually believe again, you know, that it's like this with your teenager, like just believe that, okay, they're not Satan incarnate and maybe there's, maybe God could work in their, even a teenager's life, you know? And so, but you, you just have to kind of peel it back and still love and still forgive and still give another chance. I don't mean you let stuff go. Um, I just mean, you got to, you know, zero to 16 in an argument. That's a habit. It's a lack of discipline just to go there, just to take it there. Like it's going to go there anyways, you know? And, um, and I was really good at that. You know, I'm trying maybe not to be as good at that anymore. Create maybe a holy habit, giving people the benefit of the doubt. You know, here's another, here's a, maybe one of your unholy habits is that you don't finish things. You start things and then the laundry just sits there and everybody walks around it. And then, or you haven't changed oil in your car in four years because... So here's what happens, and my dad taught me this because my dad is the most consistent man on the earth. The mo he's, I love my dad. My dad is so, my dad told me, he's like, 80% of the stuff that crosses your desk or just crosses your life, deal with it in the first five minutes. And never think about it again, you know, like just do it. But what happens, you know, in the city of Airdrie when you're trying to get permits, is that there's a 21 day waiting period. And on the 21st day in the afternoon sometime, right before quitting time, they open the permit up because it's been sitting there on their computer for 21 days and it's been sitting in your hallway for 14 years. And it's been, and you just never got around. And every time you walk past it, you feel bad and you feel guilty. And guilty people always tell themselves that you'll treat everybody nice because, but you never do. And you start treating people like they ought to be treating you because you left the laundry there. Come on, church. Just let me preach this. And I'll go to a different church if you want to give me a little love here. Listen, listen. It creates guilt in your soul. And it just creates this mountain to climb that wasn't a mountain in the first place. Just put it, take five minutes and put it away. You know, just take five minutes and read it. And then, you know, just do it when it comes up so that you can move on. You know, rather. And then you got to get another email back asking all the same questions that we answered 21 days ago. And then four months later, five months and in spite of, we have a church building. Thank you, Lord. Now, now misspending is a really bad habit. Uh, misspending money. Uh, there has to be pain in your budget. And most people, when they say budget, what they really mean is like, I saw it and I bought it. It was in my budget after I saw it. Right? What you mean is, no, you're just going into debt more and more. Here's what a budget actually means. That if you overspend here and you buy the shoes that your clothing budget didn't allow, then you don't go to the movie when your friends go. So if I get this, then I have to feel pain somewhere. Or I went to the movie and now I'm eating eggs for an entire week and nothing will bring humility to your life like eating eggs for an entire week. That's called a budget. 
um, misspending. You just have a story that you tell that you just keep doing that. Well, why do you think that you can misspend money and still be good in relationships? Because money is all about control. And if you can't give up control in money, you can't give up control in relationships. Because I know this is a shock, but God thinks that he should be in charge of them. And I know that you think that you're God because everybody has to do what you think that they, because you're the Trinity all rolled up in one and are amazing. Now, um, misspending money. Here's a, here's a bad habit, feeling hurt when you get corrected. That's the habit, actually, the Bible would say that fools have that habit of like, because fools hate correction and wise people are like, thank you. Thanks for sticking your neck out because I'm sure that you probably got it bitten off and I've done it in the past, but thank you for speaking up and stopping this thing from becoming a huge issue in my life. Thanks for being kind enough to tell me. And, uh, but some of us, we just, we're just, it's an unholy habit that we have of, we just feel hurt when we're being corrected. Well, when you're being corrected, it's called being corrected. So sin doesn't kill you or kill an area of your life or separate something, but then we feel hurt. But here's the deal. If you just stop the unholy habit of feeling hurt when you sin, because sin actually hurts other people. You don't get to feel hurt when you hurt somebody. Lord, thank you for a wise pastor that tells us things that we love because we love corrections. See what I did there? Yeah. Here's one sitting at the emotional center. When you walk into the room, everybody got to look at you and put the thermometer in you and see how you're doing and ask you about your day, but you don't ask anybody about their day. You know, like if we had, I live with five women, everybody, if every one of them acted like that, man, I don't even, I wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. I'd just hide. <laughs> now I do that because I'm a dad who I need to know where they're at, but here's the point for them. They have, you have to know what you feel and why you feel it and why some of it's sin. Yeah. Don't be a, a don't get a friend and then that's their job to figure you out and what you're feeling all the time. We, we had a dating small group, which is really weird because those of us leading it have teen, uh, well, like kind of like late teens and college and career in the same group while we're talking about dating. I just like the old church cultures where we just didn't talk about any of it. Um, and it's weird, but I'm like, Hey, you can't, you know, date somebody. And then it becomes their job to figure you out. Why don't you figure you out and then ask for what you need? Well, they should figure it out and just give it to me. You're not the king of England. You're not the Lord. You know, this is all really good stuff. You know, I feel now here's the, here's the deal. Holy habits bring holy timing and unholy habits. The enemy controls your timing. And so this is why all your good intentions and all the work that you put in gets unwound because you don't have holy timing yet. If you had have holy timing, it would take care of a lot of unholy things that end up happening. So holy timing. So, um, so I already know that what the enemy tries to do. Okay. When I'm preaching the word of God beforehand, the enemy is always trying to get somebody to come and bring something that distracts me. So we've trained the teams here, like deal with it, deal with it. Because if the enemy can cause a piece of equipment to go down and you're like, well, the enemy can't do that. Work on the production team when I'm preaching about marriage sometime and see if something fails <laughs> or preaching about money. Uh, he'll bring something to distract me and I'll use somebody, the timing or afterwards to discourage, yeah. to discourage. So a preacher knows this like before and after 
the Holy Spirit always backs up the preaching of the word of God. He doesn't want me distracted. He doesn't want me discouraged afterwards so that I don't go into sin or do something dumb, you know? And so I had a pastor friend of mine. Do you want to hear this? Like, this is behind the scenes. He said, four or five weeks in a row, every time I drove into my driveway, every time that I hit the button for my car, the door to go up, my phone would buzz and it would be some other church person upset about something stupid that was leaving the church that wanted to meet. Four or five weeks in a row. Timing. Unholy habits get you upset about the wrong things because you don't have the, the you got to trust the structure. You got to trust the process more than you trust you. That's what holy timing is. We trust the, I'm going to tell you a story about what we do every day that you're going to be like, you must be really weak people. I'm like, yes, that's why we trust the process more than we trust ourselves and our talent. Because the devil can unwind that and get in there. And so it's the process you have to trust. It's why in church, we're like, just train you. If you have an issue, take it up. Don't take it sideways and down. That's called gossip. You're not trying to fix anything. You just want other, somebody else to feel sorry for you so you can complain. Take it up. If you want to fix, take it up. And if that doesn't work, take it up. But that's, it's a holy structure thing that brings discipline so that we don't just like panic and freak out about all these issues that we need to fix. Well, of course, we're going to have issues. We're a family. But there's ways to do it. There's ways that God says, hey, don't do it like this. Do it like this. And then you'll create this holy habit. Um, now, listen. Don't worry if you're miles away from uh, where you need to be parenting. That's not the issue. You're not going to be a great parent tomorrow. You're going to be a little bit better. And then the next day you're going to be a little bit better. And don't worry if you're miles away in an area of addiction in your life. It starts with one holy habit today. That's it. Just one tiny holy habit. I'm, I'm going to show you. So like what's coming is the lion's den. And what's coming is the furnace. And the incredible miracles that happen. You want to know where it starts? Daniel chapter 1. During the third year of King Jehoiakim reign, of, uh, reign in Judah, the king of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over the king of Judah. Um, then the king ordered his chief of staff to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. So, you know, the enemy, what he does to me is he's always like, if somebody's causing you a lot of pain or you're just in a situation that's hard, you know, wait until you're done and then create the habit. Okay, there, some of these young men, their parents have been killed. They are now dragged in. It's what kings used to do to assimilate into society to stop further rebellion from happening because they were like cap, they were captives, you know. And so hostages really is what they were. And then they would assimilate them and use them in their own society to propagate their own stuff, you know. Maybe the whole point of your bad situation is so that you create holy habits right now. Because that's where they are. They don't know that they're going to need a miracle that's going to come from today. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. All my millennials right there. I'm thinking about you guys right now. You guys are good-looking and groomed up. Make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. So keep in mind, they're all coming in. They're all talented. They're all the same. Like they're all equally talented and good-looking, and everybody's on a level field right now, and they're all amazing. You want to know what will make you stand out? Watch. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself, just give me a minute, by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. So watch, here's a holy habit that he's got. Um, he asked permission. If you don't have the position, you have to ask permission. 
instead of telling your boss and then getting another job next week and then next week and ask permission. It's a holy habit. Well, yeah, but they're horrible people. If you ask permission, it's still a thing that pleases God and then God can come in and fix it. Now, um, they, they wanted them to eat foods that were not kosher or, or holy for Jews to eat. But they were also, there's this thought in there that this food was probably offered to idols. And so they're like, hey, it doesn't, we want to assimilate you and your religion into, so eating food offered to idols, which their consciences would be like, no, no, this has been offered to another God, you know. Um, and now it says, uh, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. Holy habits, I'll tell you, will get you respect and affection. Stop working on respect, men, and stop working on affection. Ladies, work on your habits. Work on your habits. Work on your habits. He responded, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, this guy says, who has ordered that you eat this. If you become pale and thin compared to the other use of your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. And this is not a guy being dramatic because this was like what happened. Like it's a bad day at the office. Like that guy messed up, take his head off. That's what this, I don't, I can't even tell you the creative ways that he used to kill people. Well, like tossing them to lions and oh, yeah, but it's worse. You read it on your own. Um, Daniel spoke to, with the attendant. Uh, so the, the assistant now he speaks to, um, and he says, please let, uh, test us, please. Good habit. Please test us, uh, for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Daniel said, I know the complaints right now are just like vindication. <laughs> they're vegans and they're going to live to be like, they're, they're going to live forever and I'm going to die young. And we love you guys. You know what? And she's actually a really good cook too. If she wouldn't tell me that there's no meat in it, I wouldn't even know, but she has to because she's vegan. Now, <laughs> listen, you're going to love this. This is like, yes, watch. Uh, diet of vegetables and water at the end of 10 days. See how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make, ready? Make your decision based on the light of what you see. I'm going to give this power over to you and trust in God. Good habit, holy habit. I don't have the position to make this decision. I'm just going to trust. Here are your options. I'm not going to be painful. When you think about me, it's not going to be hard. I'm just going to give you a great option. Uh, at the end of 10 days, they look healthier and better nourished. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of food and wine prepared for the others. They're like, well, you got the results, so let's do it. We'll give you what we want. Um, then it says this, God gave. Everybody say God gave. God gave. Watch. Not their training. Not their talent, not their intellect, not how well they could sing. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding. As opposed to unholy habits who have an unusual aptitude for misunderstanding. Every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. In the next chapter... He expected Daniel to interpret his dream and tell him what the dream was. And he was so mad at everybody else that Daniel grew up in right now, grew up with. He was so mad at all of them. He's like, if you can't tell me the dream that I dreamed and its interpretation, I'm going to tear your arms off. That's what he said. You're like, I don't have, you don't understand, Lord. My TV show didn't get taped last night and I am in pain. I cannot wake up in the morning and read my Bible. I can't do it. You don't know. Try your boss at work being like, I'm going to tear your arms off unless you tell me a dream that I had last night. <laughs> when the training period order, 
by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed them as much as Daniel and his friends. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them, this is what I want for you. In any matter regarding wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable. They all started the same, and now these guys are ten times better than all of the people that they grew up with. Having the same training, having the same financial, having the same, having the same... 10 times more capable. That's why you do what only you can do so God can do what only God can do. That's why he won't do it for you. Because if he does it and then he pours the supernatural into your life, it's just going to leak and be a waste of heavenly resources and God is not wasteful. So we got to plug these holy habits. Than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. It's like in your finances, if you give the first tenth to God, he's like, oh yeah, I'll just multiply it on all over the rest. And in fact, it says the first tenth is holy unto me. It's a holy habit. If you want to do a holy habit, he's like, oh, don't worry about you think you have less. I will protect. I will protect your children based on that. I will protect. I will make sure that the crops grow in a time of famine for you. I'll make sure COVID fans that your life will be better during COVID than it was before because God is the God in the middle of famine that can bring a harvest out of, but you gotta sow a holy habit. Um, listen, people who won't put reminders in their phones are 10 times less likely to keep a victory. Like, hey Siri, remind me every morning at eight to forgive somebody. Hey Siri, remind me every night at six to ask my kids how their day was. Hey Siri, remind me every morning at eight to read the Bible. Hey Siri, remind, hey, can I just talk? Yeah, no, I know you're trying Siri. <laughs> Recalculating. Siri got passive aggressive on me a couple of times. Maybe that, the, the vocal, it all changed. I'm like, don't you sulk. I'll, I'll make you a different voice. I did, I had to do it twice because it was sulking. I don't know what the deal was. The devil got into my phone. Can I just tell you, can I just close with this? Can I close with this? It'll sound like bragging, but here's why. When our marriage and family fell apart, okay, we needed a supernatural act of God. Do you know how we qualified for that? Holy habits. One, one at a time, right down in the dirt, trying to fix one little thing at a time, little thing at a time. So this is our morning. This is our morning. I'm just, I'm, I know I'm, I'm a little bit long here. Look, we only do 60-minute church services, so we can go back Pentecostal if you want. Um, this is what we do every morning. If we're in Mexico, if I'm away at a conference, every morning, Christmas morning, every morning, we get up. I read you version Bible app. Pastor Aaron reads an actual paper Bible. You remember what paper is? Because she gets distracted on you version with her friends, which are you. But I don't even look at the friends until after I read. It works for me. And I don't like paper. It just works. It's just a rhythm. We just, we finally found it. We read that. And then she goes upstairs to pray. Or if we're in a hotel room, she stays in the main room because I'm nice and a gentleman. And I go pray in the bathroom. We pray. I go through the Lord's prayer. She has her own thing that she goes through every single morning. Because if it doesn't, we'll go back to where we were. That's how not talented we are. That's how talent doesn't matter. And then we come together and we pray for you. And we go after the enemy for your lives every day. And then she goes and reads you version and connects with you. And I go out and connect one more time with God. And you're like, wow, you're really spiritual. I'm like, no, that's why we do it. 